Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. Hello, everyone. David Trebig here. I recently wrote an article for Discern Magazine titled, Is God Real? The basis for this article and what really got me started was a conversation I had with a man uh, who was a very intelligent, well-read, a successful businessman. But when it came to religion, he told me that he was an agnostic. And, of course, I began uh, thinking through the ramifications of what that all meant. Uh, he wasn't an atheist. That is, someone who didn't believe that God existed. Instead, he simply didn't know whether God was real or not. And so he didn't practice any religion. And this led me to uh, address this question and start thinking about it. Why isn't God real to uh, people? Uh, and of course, one of the things that came to mind, or actually several things that came to mind, is the list of reasons that different people give for saying why they don't know whether God exists or not. And uh, for starters, unbelief, I believe, is fueled by a widespread acceptance of this theory of uh, evolution which offers an alternative explanation of our origin that's obviously apart from God. And those who accept evolution then many times look at religion as simply superstition for simple-minded people. And then uh, along with that, there's the challenge, of course, of believing in an invisible God who can't be seen. And under those circumstances, some can wonder how God can even exist. And uh, then there's the question of suffering in the world. Uh, people ponder how a loving God could allow natural disasters, wars, and inquisitions, all sorts of terrible things that have killed untold numbers of people throughout history. And then there are the variations in Christianity and arguments about how to understand the Bible. And then there is the problem of immoral conduct by people that are supposed to be leading exemplary lives as church leaders. And then there are those people who uh, uh, say they just don't want someone else telling them how to live. They reject anyone having authority or standards of behavior that uh, are listed as the expectation and standards that have to be. And of course, this is uh, readily apparent when it comes to sexual content because they're people that feel the things that are written in the Bible are overly restrictive, outdated, and just flat out unnecessary. These questions have good, solid answers, but they're very confusing questions for, for many people. What I found interesting as I began reflecting on this is that the Bible does give us some insight as to why there is confusion and also gives us a couple of reasons, uh, at least, if not uh, multiple ones, uh, for being able to answer the question why there's confusion and to prove that God does exist. Actually, there's a foundation, I believe, that can help us uh, understand from the very beginning. It's the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And of course, it's not a fable, as some people would have us believe, because Jesus Christ and the apostles, who really did live, and history confirms this, they affirm that this was a historical event. 
And the Bible does tell us that after God created Adam and Eve, he told them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if they did, they would surely die. So God was basically just giving them some advice that if they had obeyed, would have led to some great blessings for them. And one of those chief blessings would have been to have access to the tree of life that represented eternal life. Well, we all know the story. Sadly, Eve fell for a lie told by an evil spirit being called Satan, who continues to be our adversary and the adversary of all mankind. And so Satan told Eve that she wouldn't die if she ate of that tree and also said that if you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to become like God and you can decide for yourself uh, what is good and what is evil. So this idea obviously appealed to Eve and her intellect and the desire for freedom to choose. And unfortunately, it also implied that humans didn't really need God and that God was being somewhat unfair and that humans could reason and think for themselves apart from any other guidance. So Eve fell for the lie, ate the forbidden fruit, and we know that Adam followed Eve's example. So this misrepresentation of God has continued on down through time. A lot of people don't realize that it started right there from the very beginning of human existence. And today, we now have this philosophy that we humans can do everything on our own without God. Unfortunately, the Bible says that this is a blindness or a veil that really clouds our human ability to think on our own. Of course, we can think and reason on some physical level all on our own. We don't have to have God decide for us what color we prefer or things like that. But when it comes to some spiritual things, we need God's help and guidance. And unfortunately, what happens is when people reject God and they don't want to follow what he instructs them to do, their reasoning actually becomes clouded. It becomes unsound. Uh, there's a psalm uh, that actually says, a couple of places the psalms record this, that it's a fool that says in his heart there is no God. And Paul sort of built on that later in the New Testament in Romans chapter 1, saying that people who reject God actually become unsound in their thinking. So intellectually, they, they become clouded. Well, what kind of proofs then are there? So we, we've seen uh, why the confusion is there. Let me share a, a couple of proofs that actually came to my mind about how we can know that God really does exist. One of the things that really struck me as I looked through the scriptures was that the Bible says that either obeying or disobeying God's instructions is uh, one of the ways that affects our thinking and is one of the ways that we can prove God exists. You know, there's even a passage in Isaiah that talks about where God says, come now and let us reason together. And one of the things that God in this particular account was talking with, with the people at that time was to say, look at the state your nation is in. It was going downhill. They had bad leadership. The land was desolate. The nation was being overthrown. 
And God was, in essence, telling them, look, if you'll obey me, I'm going to bless you, and your land is going to prosper. Uh, God, in essence, was asking them to contrast, to think in their own minds of the good results that come about versus the bad results that they were then experiencing. So there was this lesson, there is this biblical lesson about blessings for obedience and punishment for disobedience, and it's actually a timeless, ongoing truth. It wasn't just for that age, it's applicable for us today as well. And then later in the history of the Bible, God suggested the same thing through the prophet Malachi, who invited the people at that time to try him or to prove him, as he put it in the the Scriptures, to see whether tithing wouldn't yield blessings. And God, in essence, was saying, test me by trying my way, and if you see that my way way works and there are blessings that come about, you know that I'm I'm real, I'm, I'm there. Unfortunately, today, it just seems like people make uh, the mistake of thinking they have to prove God's existence before they could ever try obeying what He says to do. But uh, according to the Bible, of course, this is just backward reasoning. The psalmist understood this point, too, in Psalm 111, where he said, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a good understanding have all those who do His commandments." So the bottom line to this is when we live the way God tells us to live, our thinking becomes clearer, and we can actually see the results of living God's way compared to not living God's way. We can see the contrast between uh, the two ways of living, and when we see the blessings for living God's way, well, there we have it. There's, There's a reason to know that God is real. Another way, a second point, and as I said, there are probably many different points that people could use to prove God's existence, but a second one that I'll share with you from this article is recognizing creation, uh, that God is the creator as opposed to evolution. If we simply look around us in the world today, we realize that our world is just amazing. Uh, God truly is a master designer, and creation itself testifies that there was a creator. In fact, uh, many scientists themselves will say the complexity that is involved is just amazing. Charles Darwin did not understand that uh, during his time. He thought uh, everything was very simple, and everything was composed of very simple elements and things. But the more scientists study things, the more complex it becomes. Uh, Even King David, thousands of years ago, reflected on how the heavens declared God's glory and identified His existence. So, in contrast to this evidence that we see about the creation itself, it's interesting that Darwin's proponents today, those that support his beliefs in evolution, sometimes they're very deceptive in what they say. Sometimes they'll assert that evolution is a proven fact, when in reality that just is not the case. When they make that kind of statement, what they're, of course, talking about is the difference between microevolution and macroevolution. Micro, meaning on the small scale, uh, truly is accurate. That accounts for changes in animals and breeds of dogs, for example, and things along those lines. 
But macro evolution in the bigger picture is technically an assumption that small changes within a species can over time uh, produce a completely new species and eventually account for all the different kinds of life. This has never been proven. And in fact, the odds against this are astronomical. And so there are some deceptions and half-truths that get thrown out there. But uh, the reality is the creation itself, when we see the complexity involved and all of the things that are involved there, it really does point toward a creator. So there's a good reason for us to believe in God's existence. I wrapped up this article by talking about how eventually the confusion that exists in the world today is going to be removed, and everyone is eventually going to come to the point where they truly understand and know that God exists. Uh, What is going to happen, this veil of confusion that the Bible talks about is going to be lifted. In fact, there's an interesting passage in 2 Corinthians 3, 16, where Paul said, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And there's a time coming in the future where everyone is going to be able to see God in one sense and know that God is real. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, for example, makes this statement that every eye is going to see him. And what that scripture is talking about is Jesus Christ when he returns. And uh, this book of Revelation also makes the statement that Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. And when this happens, obviously, he won't be able to continue deceiving human beings. And Isaiah even prophesied that at this time, after Christ returns, all people are going to be taught God's ways as he rules over the nations. So these are going to be some amazing changes that are going to come about. And when these things happen, no one's going to doubt whether God exists or not. In fact, everyone will know for a fact that God is real, and everyone will then have the opportunity to receive eternal life. You know, if you'd like to study this uh, subject about the future and this wonderful future that is ahead of us, we have a booklet available that delves into this particular subject. It's titled The Mystery of the Kingdom. If you like, request it, download it, It will take you through much fascinating information about this amazing future that God has for us. So in short, is God real? Absolutely. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.